0: This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to bethlehem.church forward slash South. You've really got that down. Um, that's true. I've said it a few times. My the kids job. have said it. If you come to my office, there's like uh, pictures <laughs> that my kids drew that go along with every phrase in that. So, really? Yeah. It's up above the. Little coffee bar area. Mm. Well, apparently Nick is here today. Hi. And joining us as well, surprisingly, our Dark Horse candidate for podcast companion, Dave Zulliger. <laughs> what Thanks. is...
1: Thank you for the introduction. You,
0: you weren't on the last podcast, so... Oh. Just, How was it? You weren't. Stacy and I talked about death. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's live. You should listen to your own podcast sometime. Yeah. Um,
1: how are the holidays, Dave? I do. I just assume I know which ones are being recorded. I don't know you You do them without me, without telling me. So we, we now that I know that, sometimes. I will That's keep true. my eye out. How are the holidays? They were great. I missed you a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dave. Um, they were great.
1: Were, they really were great. Yeah, was it Iowa, Wisconsin, here, no more Wisconsin anymore. We've got nothing to go back for because my parents are here. Oh, right that's now. right. That's right. Yeah. So Iowa for a couple days.
0: The Green Bay Packers aren't worth going back for.
1: They are, but we uh, we didn't have tickets or anything. Okay. So it's kind of cold too. It could be brutal. Yep. Uh, so Nick, we went, went Nick,
0: to Iowa. Nick, you were in L.A. and Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. okay. Yep. L.A. is friends. Wisconsin is family. Slash all of it. No, your family's here now too. My Mom and dad are here.
2: Biological family. Yes, I have yeah. friends that are like family.
0: Okay. In Wisconsin, still. Great, great. Well, us three Green Bay Packers fans uh, sitting here in great unity, and we are here to talk about, though we are uh, harmonized about sports, mm. we are. Uh, we just celebrated uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day <coughs> uh, this previous Monday. And at Bethlehem, that has historically, for the last couple of decades or so, uh, been a time that... Ethnic Harmony has been highlighted from the pulpit of Bethlehem, or the pulpits now, now that we're in the uh, separate preacher era of the multi-campus experiment. So we are uh, thinking today, going to talk today about ethnic harmony. Now, about a year and a half ago, we had an episode uh, in the summer of 2020, after the death of George Floyd, uh, an episode on ethnic harmony with Bruce Power, elder at South Campus where he was doing a night on ethnic harmony right around then in regards to just questions, current events, things like that. We thought we'd bring an episode that was a little more back to basics, a little more just reminder by way of like, hey, how did this come up? Why is this a a thing that Bethlehem does um, to take time in January with other topics and talk about this topic of all topics? So Dave, why do we talk about ethnic harmony at Bethlehem? Why take a, a special special uh, designated time, regardless of whatever else we might be preaching and focus on it in January. Why is this uh, you know a big deal to us?
1: Yeah, I think originally uh, it was the burden of the pastors and elders at Bethlehem to be able to speak to what is what was and obviously has continued to be a contentious cultural issue. Um, You know, we we see these issues become heated in our culture, especially around election cycles and especially around other things. I think the desire was to talk about it because we see it as an issue that the Word of God addresses. So we're not trying to keep up with the election cycles. We're not trying to keep up with with anything that's uh, just outside of the biblical teaching on it. But as as it's gone on, I think that it's become even more relevant what the Word of God has to say for our culture, because we were just talking before this, and and one of the things that often happens is that uh, the world can be really good at pointing out the problems and the hostilities and the confusion around these issues, but oftentimes can be really confused uh, when it comes to what actually will bring about what we call ethnic harmony. And so I think Bethlehem, for a long time, has simply sought to say, we really believe that the gospel uh, is what brings together people from every tribe and tongue and nation and people and language, that it's a big enough gospel and a strong enough gospel to unite people and make their primary identity in Christ rather than any other identity, and from that foundation to begin to seek to demonstrate uh, the love of Christ for one another across all these cultural and ethnic lines. So that's kind of a summary of, I think, why it started and why it's continued for so long. Yeah,
0: and why do it particularly in January around this time?
1: Yeah, it just has to do with the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and and obviously he is kind of the face and uh, the leader who did so much to bring about uh, equal rights for minorities, particularly black minorities in our nation. And so it's a way to uh, honor that work and also provide biblical, uh, biblical realities that we hope would go even deeper and even further into hearts than mere Mere social change.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking of a text like Galatians 3 as significant for this. So uh, if you remember the book of Galatians, you have Paul who is writing to the Galatian church. who has been kind of carried away in an ethnic partiality of false teaching. So the Jewish, uh, the circumcision party that said in essence, yeah, have faith in Christ, but the way in which you have faith in Christ is intersected with being circumcised and keeping the Jewish law. Paul of course denounced that, even denounced Peter who was carried around carried along by some hypocrisy. So this is Galatians 3:23 and following. Now before faith came we were held captive under law speaking about the Mosaic law uh, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian till Christ came basically uh, a tutor, keeping us you know, ready and the, keeping the Old Testament saints ready and teaching them their need for Christ, uh, continuing on, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So do you think that passage means, Nick, that if there are all these divisions that Paul says, well, no, there isn't Jew, there isn't Greek, there isn't slave, there isn't free, does that mean there aren't males, there aren't females, hmm. there aren't ethnic differences within the body of Christ? Or what do you think Paul is, is getting at there?
2: No, I don't think that. I do think that that's a common way that people seek to use that verse uh, today, but I think it's kind of missing the point in that Paul's point is that there are no divisions in that way. There's no, you know, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, which is a pretty big difference if you look at the Bible, male and female, in regards to salvation. And so in regard to inheriting the promises of Abraham and access to all the promises of the new covenant in Christ Jesus and his blood, there's no division. We are all equal heirs of salvation. So who's this promise of the new covenant for? It's for everybody. And that's the mystery of the gospel, right? He says that the Jews have become fellow, or the Gentiles have become fellow heirs um, to all of these promises of God. And so in that sense, there's no division, right? We are all one in Christ. Um, But that doesn't erase, you know, differences that there are between male and female or cultural differences that we see in all the different varieties of the cultures around the world, those differences are there. Um, But as far as the kingdom of heaven is concerned, those things
0: are secondary. Right. So I'm thinking of another text, Acts 6. So you remember the kind of proto-deacon text where in the early church in Jerusalem, there was a division within the church along ethnic lines between Hellenist Jews and Hebrew Jews or, or perhaps uh, Aramaic Jews, people that spoke different languages, and one was being neglected and the other one was being well cared for. And so there was, within the body of Christ, um, differences in background mm-hmm. that was leading to the way in which uh, people were interacting and even being neglected. And the apostles, their answer was not, well, these differences don't matter. Mm-hmm. Their, their response was, we need to seek to address this. We need to seek to address this kind of ethnic partiality that's there. So, Dave, what other texts or what other things would you say broadly about ethnic harmony and just kind of foundational things surrounding it?
1: Yeah, I mean, just just riffing off of what Nick said in that Galatians 3 text, the other thing I'd say is not only is there, does uh, the gospel— mean that those differences uh, don't create, like, separate categories of people who can get to salvation better than another category, Mm -hmm. but it's also establishing a primary identity. Right. That's. I think it's the point of Galatians 3, if you read it all the way through, is who are the real offspring of Abraham? Who are the real children of God? And the point is, man, anyone, (laughs) anyone who believes in Jesus is a child of God as their primary identity. And I would just say that, you know, whether it's Galatians 3 or, you know, Revelation 5, that every tribe and tongue and people and, you know, nation and language will be worshiping around the throne. I think the diversity of peoples and cultures and languages and genders and, and all the diversity that's there actually glorifies mm-hmm. the supremacy of Jesus in his saving work of all peoples. And our unity across those differences um, in our identity in Christ shows that Jesus is not merely a tribal God or a cultural God or Bethlehem Baptist churches <laughs> little God, but he is the Savior and Lord and God of the universe who will have a people from all the peoples. And so the diversity that then gets, uh, like Nick said, made secondary in the unity we have in Christ, It actually, to me, amplifies and magnifies how great and how deep the gospel runs. So I think, I think that's, that's another reason we care about it, because it shows the supremacy of Christ in the gospel.
0: So in our 21st century um, modern context, you know, Midwest America, Predominantly uh, white suburban, you know, outside of Minneapolis, St. Paul uh, context. Just what what about all of that should inform how we think about diversity? So, I mean, here we are. We're in uh, the last country on earth to officially bl- you know ban uh, race based chattel slavery. So I was just teaching my son this morning, talking about the Slave Trade Act of 1807, um, where the British Empire officially outlawed the slave trade um, and how, and myself was just like, that's so much earlier. That's 50 years earlier than the United States. What happened? We haven't gotten to the Civil War and all the things surrounding that just yet. But so just for us in America, on the backside of, you know, it's only been a little over 150 years since uh, slavery was outlawed in the United States, and here we are, predominantly majority culture uh, in the suburbs. Just how does that inform how we think about diversity in our local church, in any local church here in America?
2: Um, I think just something to keep in mind is that, like Dave said, there are unity in Christ amongst diversity, shows his supremacy, and therefore, we celebrate diversity. We like to see um, all the ways that God is working out his plan among every tribe and tongue and nation. And so um, it's good to, to say, yes, there will be people from everywhere and all cultures worshiping around the throne. And therefore, hooray, there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we celebrate that. And um and so, just to keep that in mind, even in a context for some of us where we live in suburbs, where like Lakeville, I think it's like, what ninety six percent, you know, white, <laughs> something like that. Um, so it's just good to to keep it in mind that actually the world is a lot bigger than our our little suburb, and the promises of God uh, go much further. And there is a rich world of cultural diversity um, that <clears throat> will be present in the new heavens and the new earth in re- in redeemed ways, you know, perfected ways. Um, but they're nonetheless, and we, we celebrate that fact.
0: Yeah, so Revelation 21, and with plenty of pointers back to the Old Testament, but the glory of the nations will be brought to the New Jerusalem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and will be uh, pointers past those nations and those cultures to the God over those nations mm-hmm. and cultures, uh, including our own, I think. Anything you'd add, Dave, to what what Nick said?
1: Yeah, just to explicitly say that we celebrate diversity not as the end, right, but as a means uh, to the end of glorifying God for His work among all the peoples, right? Um, Which is the promise yeah, that it yeah, will yeah, happen yeah, among yeah. all the peoples. Yeah, exactly. And and I think I think for us just to um, be aware. Of our own, like like you said, Daniel. I mean, I've 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 appreciated reading different authors who have said, you know, the beauty of the new heavens and new earth will be that every tribe, tongue, nation, language, and people will bring in from their culture, from their diversity, all that is good and right and brings glory to God. And all that from every culture, whether it's ours or another culture, that is uh, not right, not good, does not bring glory to God, will be kept out. Um, so that we, it's, it's good to be aware, you know, that I, I live in a culture that I'm used to. I have preferences and, and strong leanings. And yet, you know, you go on a mission trip or two and you, you worship in a different language in a way that's completely out of your comfort zone in a way that quite frankly, um, you know, would just not work here very well. Mm-hmm. And you see genuine worshipers of Jesus, and it makes you appreciate, man, God is doing something uh, worldwide that is that is so much bigger, so much more beautiful than anything I could imagine in my local context. And yet what he's doing here in this local context with this people is part of that beauty. You know, we are not the whole thing, and we are not nothing, And and we're so so. What I would say is, as far as our local context, man, my burden is that we would love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love our neighbors as ourselves, including, um, you know. And I just I think anyone that's a member here, man, there should be a family love, (laughs) whether no matter what ethnicity they are, no matter what gender they are, no matter you know married or single, rich or poor. Um, I just hope we love each other like a family because we are a family, whether we realize it or not. And then we love our neighbors mm-hmm. that way too. You know, whoever is around us, like we've got, we just happen in our little area in Farmington to have quite a bit of diversity in several different ways. And my my burden is just we love those people well. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna try to love someone differently. <laughs> then I would just love any other person that's made in the image of God. Um, And so that's my burden for us as a local church. We're not everything, we're not nothing, and let's work at letting the gospel inform and empower our love for one another. And to that
2: that end, we wanna be a, a place that when we gather, we're welcoming to people of different cultures and different ethnicities so that they know that our identity is not our nationality or our ethnicity, but our identity is in Christ, and there is room for all uh, at the foot of the cross. So we want to be make sure that we're a place that is welcoming to all different um, cultures and ethnicities uh, among us
0: as a family of God, like Dave said. It's one resource that I think uh, has been mm-hmm. useful, and I've, I've read um, uh, a bit of it now. I haven't finished it as of yet, but Isaac Adams, who was a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., is now a pastor, I think. Uh, very recently, uh, maybe just somewhere in the in the South, I think he made that move in the last 12 months, but he just has a brand new book out talking about race, Gospel Hope for Hard Conversations. And in that book, uh, there's a handful of things that he does. He talks about uh, kind of being uh, race determinative in all of your actions, talks about being kind of a race ignoring, like colorblind, but then the middle road that he's trying to talk about is just conscious about things concerning ethnicity. Just aware of the different perspectives that come in, and in that he brings to bear, just talking about um, you know when we see in America and even evangelicalism division along ethnic lines or tension along ethnic lines, he's very quick to talk about the the fruit, the root, and what to do. So the um, what are what are the actual problems at hand um, that we see, and then to work towards solutions. It's a it's a good faithful book that I commend anybody listening anything either of your brothers would add at this juncture
1: just to maybe say one final word that again this this has never been a conversation mainly driven by the current cultural moment it's been a burden to see christ lifted high as the one who can unite all peoples in a deeper identity in jesus and i think um you know, there, there's always, as time and culture changes, there's always going to be moments where you just have to recalibrate. You know, how are we communicating? What we're communicating? How does the gospel and its applications come to bear? And it's it's uh, it just seems like one of those seasons again. You know, which is why the the elders worked on affirmations and denials and and other things like that, just to try to wrap our minds around this this current cultural moment. It's why Bruce was on last summer. And so th- this principle is really, really old, um, as far as all that God's doing among the nations and among the peoples. And yet we're just finding, you know, as leaders in the church, that we're just having to uh, not rethink the message, but think about how does that land in our current culture, and how do we disciple people towards maturity? So we're we're uh, we're all on, we're all kind of on the road together, because culture happens as it happens, and trying to work our way towards biblical unity and clarity as we go.
0: Great. Thanks for joining me today, guys.